You're listening to the Propaganda Report with Brad Binkley and Monica Perez. Monica, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. The weather's nice. Everybody's crazy on social media. So I spent some time outside today and got away from all of the outrage. The That's crazy. Isn't there an Uber strike? Aren't we experiencing? I saw something about that. I haven't looked into the story, but I think I saw somebody that was riding in a Lyft or an Uber or something. And they were mocking the the strike because apparently it wasn't much of one. Because they're still using it or it's gone? Because they were still using it. Oh, because the strike didn't make the app go down. So anybody who wants to just pick up, you know what I mean? The Apple work. Yeah, that's what it seemed like to me. So some people are are striking, but most of them are not. Yeah, I guess you would have – it would be pretty hard to force everyone to strike, especially if you need money. I would see that as an opportunity to – give rides to everybody and make more money while other people are striking. Yeah, scabs. But they but that yeah, it seems like not a natural industry for a, a union. union type activity. Yeah, well, maybe that's going to be part of the conversation next. Oh, should they unionize? Yeah. You know what I was thinking? Well, for it's all moot because I don't think the business model goes uh, profitable until it goes driverless. If I, I have to revisit that, I, last time I looked at that was a long time ago. But I had a funny thought last time. Uh, I was in an Uber. You know how there are all these movements. You've you've sent me tons of material on this to reduce the voting age to as low as sixteen. Yeah. And you had one clip that said zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here's my question. It's kind of a Socratic type question how why don't we make one age of majority it's the age where you can have sex you can drive an uber you can drive a car you can drink alcohol you can go into the service you can be president you can whatever it is that requires an age uh it should just be the one age yeah and and i just I would like to kind of bat that around with somebody who is a proponent of this 16-year-old voting because my thinking is you would have to say, okay, so why not have – or let me ask you, like what do you think their answer would be or what any answer would be is why should we have a yes or no, do you think they would say? I think I know what you think they would say. Yes or no, should the president have a 35-year-old limitation that's in the constitution or should we have a constitutional amendment that allows the president to be 16 i think they would definitely advocate for allowing the president to be 29 ha 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 for aoc yeah yeah i oh i think they would want they would want it to be 16 it's that it's it's the false it's that myth it's that fairy tale or whatever that um archetype of the wise peasant the innocent child, whatever, yeah. should has this innate wisdom that life beats out of you and corrupts out of you. So maybe you're better off with a 16-year-old. Yeah. But in reality, the problem is that person w- lacks experience, wisdom, gravitas, all of that, and then makes such a person quite vulnerable to outside influences. Although 16 might Absolutely. be better than 29 because we can see – how young they get them. They get them when they're 16 and turn them into their puppets by the time they're 29. Yeah. 
You, you reminded me of uh, the Twilight Zone episode. I think I might have told you this off air, but the Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode, a couple of weeks ago was about a the the ki- a kid was elected president. A kid who was eleven. Oh yes, old. yes, yes. Oh and my gosh, I completely did not. You might have told me that on air. I did not make that connection. So now, now that I'm thinking about it, tell me again what you were saying. Well, they made the parallel they were making was that Donald Trump. It was they took all the words yeah. that they yeah. claimed that they have been claiming the past couple of years that Trump has said through anonymous sources, and they put them in the mouth of a ten year old. They exaggerated them, and they just had the kid throw a bunch of tantrums and be unreasonable. <laughs> and they made the kid uh, a liar. They made him a horrible liar who has no remorse about lying. And then, spoiler, if you if you don't want me to spoil it, then I won't. You can spoil it for okay, me, so but listeners, be warned, next, 60 seconds, yeah, don't listen. Here's a spoiler. At the end of it, and I, I predicted this would happen watching the episode because it was so predictable. Uh, they had the kid shoot and kill someone who was challenging him. Or attempt to kill someone who was challenging him. Oh, that that's perfect. That brings in the whole gun problem. and, and It was oh. terrible. The new Twilight Zone is a disgrace. <laughs> and they have ruined – that. it's unbelievable what they've done. One of the episodes prior to that was like Groundhog Day where they just repeated over and over again the same scene. And the same scene that they repeated was an evil, racist, white police officer shooting an unarmed black teenager over and over again. There was no twist or turn at the <laughs> repeated that rod serling if he knew what they were doing to his legacy it's terrible it is terrible so speaking of legacy and that this was not planned but i I, it reminded me of this this uh media campaign surrounding Lori lachlan like i'm giving you a Lori lachlan update i don't know if you've been following it but yeah i'm sure you have or I know that you've run across this a week ago or so. It was clear she she a bunch of people pled guilty, got plea bargains for whatever minimal, you know, just gave a nod, just validated the FBI basically. And what this, what but Lori Lachlan didn't. Is, I, I'm is actually. Laughlin? Does she pronounce it Laughlin? Uh, isn't it G H? But it's Lachlan because she's yeah. Irish, oh, I think. I mean, she's oh, from New know, York. Maybe, yeah. yeah. So I don't know how she pronounces it at all. Um, but and and actually, and I when I, I would have thought the O in Lachlan would have been an A, but so I don't really know. But she she came out and said that, or I guess they they pled not guilty, and then. They threw the book at them. They put a whole bunch of more charges on them. And this is exactly – so now she's facing up to 40 years in prison. And this is exactly what what turns me off to the whole plea bargain thing, to being, a, being able to waive your constitutional rights, your otherwise unalienable rights. You can alienate them under coercion. This is the problem. It's not like you have a right. Well, you might as well have the right to to trade this out. It's coercion. So you have like it's just that movie, a.k.a. Tommy Chong, which I used to have a Monica Perez show dot com, a uh, a review of it. I'll have to see if I can't resuscitate that from the like lines and lines of code or whatever. Uh, so that has become 
but so so Tommy Chong was, I, I've told this story so many times, but he he was they entrapped his son who was making bongs, glass bongs in a place where it was legal. They entrapped him, uh, really entrapped him to send him across the state lines. And he probably would have won in court, but I believe they were threatening the son and his mother, Tommy Chong's wife, with 99 years in prison. And they told Tommy Chong that if he went to jail for a year, even though he wasn't even accused of anything, they would not prosecute. So to me, that's, I, I can't understand how that's even legal. So if I want to kill somebody, can I have my mother serve my life sentence for me? She's 90. You know what I'm I saying? I don't know. I don't, I don't. I mean, you can't, but do you understand, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it doesn't serve the purposes of justice. No, he does a 10-minute stand-up bit about this. Oh, does he? Well, the whole movie was a documentary about him. He was a part of it. So they do all these coercive measures. So they probably said to her, plea now or we're going to throw the book at you, which just makes no sense. Like either they were – it's just coercion to me. And there are other ways they coerce people, and I'll get into a couple of those. <clears throat> but what she said – what they said was – and when they said they didn't do it, they didn't know. They didn't know what was going on. And we talked about that. We talked about the fact that if you look at the FBI affidavit – it, it's. We thought she didn't know what was going on. I'll read a couple of passages that's from that. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, and that's exactly what they're saying. And they're even saying that the picture of the girl on the erg was to show that she was active, which makes sense because they didn't understand the whole erg thing. The parents. The erg. The was... erg is a rowing machine. Oh, okay. And she, and and if she was a film person, maybe he would say, "Oh, we're trying to get credibility going here." I mean, he literally. I believe he had to foil her normal process of getting in. It's like when I had that headhunter yeah. who told me repeatedly that this company wasn't looking for anybody. And when I finally found out from a friend who worked there that they were looking for someone and that guy put my resume in front of his boss, the headhunter called me and said, hey, you're my client. If you get that job, you have to tell them they need to pay me. <laughs> I was like... You were standing between me and that job. And I don't know why, like why he was doing that. He was probably trying to pimp me out to somebody else who paid more. Where I really don't know. But they, so, so when Lori Lachlan's husband said to the scammer, I'm ha playing golf with the director of athletics at the school. Should I mention my daughter's application? This yeah. guy said, no way, man. <laughs> like, don't do that. So this guy was trying to get her in convince the parents that that he was doing this athletic thing when whatever he was doing she was probably just getting in anyway he probably knew she was getting in anyway and what's you know still, yeah what still baffles me about that is there's no doubt in my mind that she could have gotten in through the film school well that's what i'm saying he, like yeah the, he probably did nothing he probably right. just let her apply knowing full well she would get in and using his back channels to confirm it so that he didn't have to waste his money it seems like entrapment to me that he was entrapping her? Yeah, it seems like she was set up. But but it looks like this was happening in 2016, which is before this guy was uh, caught, I believe. I looked at that. You looked at? The date that this stuff was happening with Lachlan and Janouli was in twenty early 2016, which was three years ago. And I think this guy only started setting people up last year. 
So maybe he set them up for the second daughter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The charges that they're charging against her, like the fact that she didn't know, like if she committed any any crime, I I, I don't I think she was set up. I think that what they did was they went through all the clients of this guy. Some of them were guilty. Some of them weren't guilty, and some of them were given a pass. So, And some of them were a conservative who's on right, lifetime right, change. Right. So that's what I think. She's in a fourth category, which is she should have gotten the pass. No, she should, she wasn't guilty. But they painted her as guilty and thought they could ruin her reputation by threatening her with 40 years in jail and making her plea. And because when you hear they that, you know, I just uh, – and they did hurt her reputation. She of course. Lost all of her jobs well, that's from that Walmart was the thing. Too. So she had this. So there was this article saying Lori Lachlan reportedly quote shocked and saddened at college admission scam ruining her quote legacy. So she's reportedly, yeah. and then it's in quotes. It's very tricky how this headline is written because quotes make it sound like she's being quoted, and she is, right. but she's being quoted by an anonymous source being quoted yeah. in this article. So so it says, Lori is shocked and saddened that this is what her legacy is going to be, a source told people of the Full House actress. And this is Fox News. A source News told reporting. people. Like- yeah, so, <laughs> no, sorry, capital P, people. People Magazine, I believe. Oh, okay. So this is Fox News reporting that People Magazine reports that an anonymous source reports that Lori Lachlan and then they put it in quotes. <laughs> yeah. You know so what they did? Not to go down another uh, avenue right now, but they essentially did the equivalent of deplatforming her from her way to make money. So she was in Hollywood, and then she kind of got segregated over to the Hallmark Channel, which is where people who are Christian or right-wing go once they're no, no longer allowed in Hollywood. Like Dean Cain does a lot of – Hallmark movies. And Dean King was also attacked around the same time that she was. So then they said, okay, now we're going to make sure she can't do Hallmark anymore by ruining her reputation with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. see what I mean? Like the parallels to booting people off of Facebook and trying to take oh, away their, absolutely. their sources Oh, obviously. Oh, they were obviously trying to ruin her. There's no question about economic that. Economic warfare. Because she was conservative. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they've been doing that since they were blackballing uh, – card-carrying communists yeah. in the House on American Activity Committee. Now, now they welcome them in with open arms. Oh, yeah. That's why when you told me she was a conservative, I was like, really? So, and a Christian, yeah. I thought if she is so outspoken about that, she's either a massive hypocrite or she doesn't think what she did was wrong or she didn't do it. You she know? seems so, totally clueless when you read the Yeah, I just wanted case. to look in and see if she was full of it. Or what? Like, I was just looking into it because I was puzzled by it. and, and uh, Right. Yeah, me too. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. You, you pointed it out for sure. And I think it's worth pointing out again that she did not go to college. And I'm fairly certain that her husband did oh, not either. She was but did you hear the story? She was 16, so no. she would have no idea about the process of getting into college. No. This, I wonder if this is why they targeted them or thought they could get away with it. The darn dad, you had said that, something like that, and he's from foreign country and whatever, there was a story that emerged at this time when she said she didn't do it, so about two weeks ago, that said the father was interviewed once and then the daughter referred to the father's story. So both of them are kind of on the record as saying that when he was in college, his parents were paying for his college, but 
he was taking the money. So I guess they were writing checks to him and not the school. The story's a little strange, but he was taking the money and he started his own business. So he didn't go to college then. So Well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I didn't actually investigate the the merits of the story. I just noticed that they told this story, which was in keeping with what you were saying about those guys not going to college or not knowing the ropes or whatever, that the story of the parents with the, the only story about the parents college situation is this one where the dad said he scammed his parents out of money to start an apparel business instead of going to school. But yeah. I didn't look into the details about it, but I'm just saying they use, they referred to, or the story I read, several stories I read, referred to the father's college experience as proof positive that th- they actually did this. Yeah. I mean, I know people whose parents did go to college who don't know how to approach the application process that I've worked with on creative ways of getting people's attention, of, of helping to highlight your strengths. To Because the whole idea about applying to college is say you have a low SAT score, you don't have the greatest grades in the world, but you want to get into a good school. You can't use the same approach that someone who has a 1500 and has a – what do you get, like a 5.0 now in high school? I don't know. But you can't, you can't use the same approach as them because if you do that, you're only highlighting why you shouldn't be selected. So you have to find what strengths you do <laughs> That's have a good point. to highlight. You, why you so, shouldn't yeah, be so you don't – the only thing that you know is you do not approach it the same way. So you have to come up with ways to approach it differently, and there are ways. There are lots of ways, but people aren't, aren't taught that. So as a celebrity who doesn't know – who, who didn't go to college, whose husband may or may not have gone to college, they're not going to know how to approach it in a different way. So they're going to say, you know what, let's just pay someone. Let's just pay an expert to help us, and we'll let them worry about it. Yeah, throw money at it is definitely something that Hollywood would do, and also even financial guys do it. They don't want to take any chances. Right. They are prime to be ripped off, to be conned. They are a perfect con. In fact, reading that book, The Big Con, I've told you about it, they would be the perfect target for a group of con artists. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Uh, and I think that's what they did, which is why, I mean, I know I've read this before, but I just, now that it's come out that she said this was her story, I want to reread it. It says, uh, as set forth below, the Janulis agreed to pay bribes totaling $500,000 in exchange for having their two daughters designated as recruits to the U.S. crew team, USC crew team, despite the fact that they did not participate in crew thereby facilitating their admission to that the That makes me so angry. That's that in the, the FBI affidavit. So, uh... The crew team? No, I'm just reading to make uh, sure. Yeah, that part of it makes me so angry. We talked about this on air before, but it's worth mentioning because every time they bring this story up, they emphasize, even though she didn't participate in crew in high school and they're pretending that she's an athlete, nobody participates in crew in high school because hardly any high schools yeah. have a crew team. Most of the people that are on these teams, they have to go find them. So this and is a normal process. And the girl is slight. I mean, people who row crew are huge. So she must have just been recruited as a It's cockpit. just a classic example of the media exploiting the uh, lack of context and the public's yeah. ignorance around a certain issue. I didn't know that until I started saying, hey, wait a minute. I've never heard of a high school that has a crew team. <laughs> right. And I started looking into it. So they're exploiting people's lack of understanding of the situation to make people just go up, oh, yeah, well, she's guilty. Yes, and and he probably exploits the obscurity of that sport in why in in his scam. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point because yeah. the parents aren't going to know that either. No, and uh, and so I'm going to skip back to the crew thing in a second. But in in one of the segments of the of the FBI thing, it says Janouli asked 
singer CW1 whether it was permissible to discuss his daughter's admission with the then USC athletic director with whom he was acquainted. He wrote in an email, by the way, headed to Augusta in two weeks with the USC athletic director, whose name he named. I was planning on saying nothing, agree or okay to mention something. Uh, The guy says, best to keep him out of it. When I met with him a year ago about your daughter, he felt you were good for a million dollars. Genuinely responded, ha, and then CW1 sent Genuinely confirmation that his daughter had been provisionally admitted to USC based upon records that indicate that you have the potential to make a significant contribution to the intercollegiate athletic program. I don't know if that means money or what. Donating to the athletic program is what it sounds like to me. It says a contribution. Which could either be athletic or monetary, I assume. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, see, that right there is, is the type of thing where you want to hear the tone of what's being said. If this right. is somebody who's setting him up and he throws out there that million-dollar comment, that could be interpreted as, yeah, they are in cahoots to maybe, to maybe all right, if you're going to get my daughter in, I'm going to give a substantial donation to your school. Or and could, you know what? We don't know if she actually played a different sport. All we know is that she didn't play crew. Yeah, yeah, but she, you're right. maybe she plays tennis. Yeah, they didn't bother to look into any of that. So I'm just saying, if she were, what if she actually got admitted? Well, he's talking to the director, the athletics director at the school, and they're saying you can make a significant contribution. The girl could be an ace tennis player. Nobody ever mentioned the, whether the girl played any sports at all. And that could also be interpreted as the. They could have been talking. He could have said, you know, if you just give them a million dollars, you know, they'll probably let you in. And the other guy could have gone, uh, Laughlin's dad could have gone, oh, ha, ha. He could have thought that he was joking. That could have been a, a sarcastic. Considering he said, ha, ha. Yeah, that's so we don't know what the actual interaction was there because we're reading yeah. it on paper. So here's here's what the guy says. Just want to make sure that you know, I don't want the parents getting angry and creating any type of disturbance at the school. I just want to make sure. I think that's the athletic director. No. Heinel is the is their person at USC who they bribe, if I'm not mistaken. I have to double check that. But it says, she said to CW1, whatever that is, cooperating witness one, the following voicemail message came from her. I just want to make sure that, you know, I don't want the the parents getting angry and creating any type of disturbance at the school. I just want to make sure those students, if questioned at the school, that they respond in an appropriate way, that they are walk-on candidates for their respective sports. They're looking forward to trying out for the team and making the team when they get here, okay? That's what I just want to make sure of. So I just don't want anybody going into... Uh, that high school, you know, and yelling at counselors. That'll shut everything. That'll shut everything down. You know? Yeah. So why the heck would the parents shut everything down by yelling at the counselors? I don't know. It's, the whole thing is bad. Sorry, is that me. too confusing? Yeah, I, 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 didn't just... mean, I didn't mean for it to be too confusing. What it looks like to me is the scammers are talking about the risk to them, which is that the parents start asking the high school counselors what's going on. Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about where he's relying on the he wants he just wants them to stay out of it. So just trust me, you don't know what you're talking about. No, but you're, it's no, it's the yeah, whatever. It's the USC person is expressing concern to the scammer that the parents are going to stumble into 
blowing this thing up. Oh, and they would I missed not, that. So I missed that yeah, aspect. Yeah. So they wouldn't stumble into blowing it up. They would not go to their daughter's high school and start yelling at the counselors at the high school. Right. So if it they sounds knew, like they're saying they're going to find out what we're doing then. Yes. The scammers are trying to figure out how to keep the Lachlan Janulis away from their own kids' high school. This is the big con. Read the book, The Big Con. Yes. I, I, People yes. who are listening, but here's the listeners, problem. check out that book. This is exactly the type of stuff that it lays but he, out. Here's the problem. I read that FBI affidavit, and I could tell from the beginning that these people were being conned. Yeah. And they were the only ones that I'm aware of who did not take the plea bargain. Yeah. And they said... We had no idea what was going on, which is clear from the FBI's affidavit, which likely presents the best case. So it's not like the F- FBI sat on a bunch of stuff that isn't that is more compelling. That's the exculpatory stuff, in my opinion. The affidavit isn't doesn't have to be balanced or anything. It's your best stuff. Yeah, or your, yeah, exactly. Your best stuff short of the, the smoking gun you need to whatever, but I guess. I and they had the opportunity to read the same thing. So, you know, if they really – I don't know why they would plead not guilty if they – Why would they plead not guilty if they were guilty? In this case, yes. I, I don't – Yes, because yeah. they were absolutely – they said, well, you'll get away with a slap on the wrist. You know, I'm still not even sure what they did that was a crime you could go to jail for. It's it's fraud. It's a tort, you know. Right. Um. But but what the but one of the things that the anonymous source reported by people reported by Fox News reportedly said that Lori said <laughs> was that yeah, not kidding. Um. That she can't believe it says. Uh, Lori is shocked and saddened that this is what her legacy is going to be. Uh, yet the headline doesn't even take that like three times removed BS. She's shocked and saddened that this is what her legacy is going to be. Okay. Right. Right above that is this big headline that says Lachlan reportedly shocked and saddened at college admission scam, ruining her legacy. Yeah. Which makes her sound like a jerk. Yeah. I'm (laughs) sure that even if she did say that, which she might've, I'm sure it was spoken in a larger context where she probably expressed how upset she was about the effect that it has had on her daughter. But to say – Who talks say, about your legacy? I've never heard anyone right, say right. my legacy is – I've only heard other people right. say that, that. But to say that I'm sad this is my legacy is a little different than I'm sad this ruined my legacy. Because yeah. the first, the second way sounds like you had this legacy planned and it got ruined. Yeah. It, but this is what she's saying is I now have this legacy of fraud, which is not So people me. are going to remember me as. Yeah. Fraud so fraud. so it's that uh, the idea of having a legacy probably never crossed her mind. I don't think it really crosses anybody's mind no, until I, other people start even, projecting it on and them. And if you're relegated to the Hallmark Channel, I'm sure she was making plenty of money, but I don't think that she – that was some victory of hers. I don't know. But, but my po- – but so – this is one of several cases that I uh, have been highlighting where justice is in jeopardy. Justice is in jeopardy, and, and especially plea bargains. Plea bargains, to me, are an absolute weapon of uh, coercion. Byron, who did the uh, 
Method Activism also emailed me, like, apropos of nothing, how much he hates. Oh, no, it's how much he hates arbitration. I agree with that, too. Arbitration is the same. It alienates you from your constitutional rights. It really annoys me. Anyway, so uh, another one is, of course, Bill Cosby, who settled a case with the assurance by prosecutors that he would not be prosecuted, which is why he voluntarily waived his Fifth Amendment rights and his Sixth Amendment rights and other rights as well. I don't know if he waived other rights, but he his other rights were also violated. So he so another update on him or the update on him is that uh, his lawyer filed a motion saying that the judge, Judge Stephen O'Neill, that his failure to file a post-trial opinion has delayed the appeals court from reviewing Cosby's conviction and sentence. This is really important because I said right away, like this, he should not, he's serving time before the appeals process has gone through, which is not required. But the judge did it that way, and I thought it was vindictive, and he did it because he knew he'd be overturned on appeal, and he just wanted to get this guy some jail time. Yeah. Well, it says, uh, Mr. Cosby's right to have his appeal heard in a timely manner by this court is being trampled by the lower court's inordinate delay in issuing its opinion. The motion said Cosby's appeal raises a number of meritorious claims of error and that bail is justified given his advanced age and the strong likelihood that his conviction will not stand appeal. And I I think that's true. So this just adds to my thinking that this guy is really messing with him. I he says the guy has an axe to grind with the prosecutor or whatever. I think this guy there must be some dirt on this guy and he's doing this because he has to or whatever. He has aspirations, I don't know. But anyway, Cosby is imprisoned at SCI Phoenix, a maximum security prison outside Philadelphia. A maximum security prison, an 80-year-old blind man. Uh, he was recently moved to general population because he was in solitary. Uh, and Probably in for his own sake. Maybe. I don't think he liked it. But anyway, he called himself a political prisoner. I think they do solitary on purpose. They did it. That Then my next person is uh, Maria Butina. Can I say something about that, about those cases real yeah, quick? Sure. Is, for for me, one of the a takeaway from this is that the media – and whoever they're working with in, in these instances, they they will exploit – in all of these cases, in Cosby and the Russian interference, the Russian collusion in uh, Lachlan, all of these cases, they will exploit the public's ignorance about the process or about an issue, and they will pull information out of context in order to convict these people in the court of public opinion before they ever step foot in trial, ruining their, their, their future economically and their – they're, um, you know, just the way the public views them. It's it's propaganda and economic warfare. Those are two of the three prongs that Harold Laswell talks about when you're um, when you're attacking an enemy. But uh, the third one being obviously, you know, violence, physical warfare. But this is propaganda and economic warfare being conducted on individual citizens. And there's there you can do it by ruining their reputation and then when they get exonerated later if they were to get exonerated later they're not getting a victory parade they're just no they're, they're still just, ruined they're absolutely they're ruined. ruined now cosby i had no, now i'm not defending what cosby did by no. any means but i had no idea that 
the drug, what was it, Quaaludes? I had yeah. no idea that that was a party drug until just you told me drug. about it. There's I had no idea about that. Just a party drug. I, I, I thought it was like GHB. I thought it was like something that, that you put in somebody's no. drink. I didn't no. realize people were willingly. They took it on. Yes, he did never tricked anybody. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, see, that changes. That's something that I was ignorant of that. Right. And you telling me that completely changed it. Most people. Like crew. Yeah, like rowing the crew. crew, the row thing, and with the Russian the collusion crew. thing. That's why I know the Russian collusion thing. They they, they they're exploiting the public ignorance on how the political process. Well, not that it's, I'm not defending it, but the lobbyists that work with Trump, the Manafort, he, the same freaking people work with all of them. This brings me to Maria Butina. Yeah, Maria Butina, she pled guilty to being an undeclared agent of a foreign government but the person she was working with was they keep talking saying that he was a government agent he was a former government agent so he was a former actor of the government not even an agent he another was like, perfect example of right. not yeah but i think that guy it seems to me it doesn't say it in anything i've read but it seems to me that guy is, is basically a lobbyist and she was working yeah. for him they were just lobbyists. They're all they all. I, I looked at a chart once. I can't remember specifically what the percentage was, but it was like the amount of people that used to be in Congress that are now lobbyists. It's like it's like the the career transition almost. It's, it's the it's that rotating door. There's actually a word for it in Japan, like rain from heaven, like you just drop in from heaven. They used to do it on purpose. Uh, the two big place industries, I think they do it as tax and. Uh, far and pharmaceuticals so that you could move in and out of the regulatory body, the IRS or the FDA, and then back out to private practice so yeah. that you can exploit the loopholes that you know are in there. Right. And they make a killing going, going internationally and lobbying because they're like the best at it. And the international players are willing to pay tons of money to these lobbyists. Yes. So they're all I, doing it. I knew someone who I felt I mean, I was not impressed by this guy at all, but he was a government agent of high position. <laughs> and then he later got a job, a very highly coveted job in finance. And I was like, what am I not getting? And then I realized that because of his previous status, he had he could either open doors between countries to make deals happen or he could convince foreigners that he could do that. Like, I think, I, I don't know about that guy, but I think it made me realize that that actually, like this guy, like the scammer in the Lori Lachlan case, it's quite possible that he only pursues, but no, it's not true in that case, but, but that you only pursue the lobbying gigs that you know are going to be slam dunks anyway. Yeah. So, Say you're inside Congress, you know a bill's going to get passed. Right. You can claim that you're. You the can go why. around and sell to ten different countries. I'm going to get this bill passed for you. It's going to be good for you. It's you're like not going to go insider trading. Well, they're allowed to do insider trading in Congress. Actually, there's no law against that. They tried to change it a little bit. Maybe they maybe they've made it better, but maybe they made so it. So now worse. we see the real appeal of being elected to Congress. Oh yes. Well, that's and that reminds me of the book thing, where. These people come out with tons of money and like Obama and the idea and the only claim to income he has are book deals. So I want to know, I think all all all, all people of, with the public trust should have to reveal bulk sales of books in detail and that that the 
it even if that's not it it provides them cover for their wealth but this so this Maria Butina she was here studying at school and she was wanted to be like a diplomat or public relations person and she was the interpreter for this lobby guy lobbyist who was a member of the NRA the Russian guy was a member of the NRA so she was just doing that with this guy, and I don't think there was anything else in to it. She's the only person who's ever been convicted in Russian interference, and I definitely don't think she did it. She's not mentioned in the Mueller report. But this is why she belongs in this category uh, of coercion, coercive pre- plea bargains, I think. She was detained last July, and she was held in solitary. I'm not sure if she was held in solitary for the entire time, but she was set, held in solitary for some months. I remember when I was catching up on the story she had been held in solitary, which, and she did not look good. So finally in December, she agreed to a plea bargain. So she was being held without a conviction in solitary. I mean, yeah. that's, that in itself is pretty serious. Why, why would you hold her? Cause she's a flight risk, but how serious was the she's crime? She's a super spy. She might break out. They didn't even accuse her of actually spying. They just accused, well, in the end, it did not, there was no espionage. She wasn't charged with espionage, nothing like that. So it was just accused, it was just said that, that it was dangerous for her to identify people who might be vulnerable to Russian interference. But anyway, so she, she agreed to a plea bargain, uh, and it, and, and they all talk about her being convicted, but she, I don't yes, even, because I don't, they say that an indictment is a conviction is the well, way no. they talk about it now. No, she was indicted, but then she pled. So it's entered as a conviction. Yeah. But it's uh, not like right. she had a jury trial. Ah, I see. You know so what I'm saying? They so, pressured her into— Totally yeah. pressured her. I mean, it's the coercion. It's holding them in solitary before they've had, like, in Cosby's case, before he had an appeal, in her case, before— this went to trial, which it was not going to trial. I mean, I think that they were pressuring her like mad. And another indication to me of that is that her boyfriend, Paul Erickson, who was a campaign manager or the campaign manager for Pat Buchanan in 92. So he's that was probably before she was born, honestly. <laughs> but he was indicted in February. So she just so it was after his indictment. On unrelated fraud charges. So this guy, from what I've read, is clean his whole life. And all of a sudden, while she's being held in jail uh, or waiting for um, her sentencing or whatever, her what she's going to say, he's indicted on unrelated fraud charges. So to me, there's many, many instances of people being charged with something for political reasons, like uh, Nacho. I think Joe Nacho was his Joe, name. The, Joey Nacho. He, but this guy has my respect. Who is that? He was running Quest, a big telecom company, during the Bush era, and he was the only one who would not allow them to do warrantless wiretaps. So shortly thereafter, he was brought up on charges for insider trading, and he was not permitted to use the idea that they were – this was a – uh, vindictiveness on the part, you know, political prosecution and persecution. He wasn't allowed to bring that up because they said for national security reasons. So he served four years in the slammer and he claims he was totally innocent. And Bill Cosby also was denied. One of the things that he'll probably win on appeal, he was denied a defense 
a, a witness in his defense who had pertinent information and was credible. And that's a total violation of. Uh, he was denied a witness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you read the Bill Cosby stuff, I mean, there, there's at least four different amendments he was denied the rights under and or, you know, being persecuted uh, in unconstitutionally. And some of them, it was like more than one within an amendment. It's he's absolutely would be shocked if he's not. It's not overturned on appeal. And I'm waiting for it to happen. And now it's not happening because that judge is so uh, uh, whatever, t- corrupt or vindictive. I don't know. He just doesn't think Bill Cosby's very funny, I guess. I guess. Could be. Could be many, many sad. He just didn't like the show. So. Can I say so two things? Hold on. Oh. So just for Boutina, no trial, no evidence. Uh, only what I would consider to be a confession under duress did she, and she's being cited as being convicted of Russian interference. So, so people could say we have a convicted criminal, so we know Russian interference in the election is real, but it, at, her conviction does not indicate that. Yeah, I know. That, that's a great point. Most yeah. of the information they have that they claim to be evidence of Russian interference is not actually evidence at all. Every single person I heard today talking about the Mueller report, every single solitary person and every congressman, whatever, and not one single reporter called them on it, every one of them cited who they believe. 700 uh, former prosecutors say this. The, The Mueller report claims that that not just anybody, but our I know I've got a, I've got a, I was going to pull that clip and the Manchurian candidate one. That's like, how many communists? I wonder how department? many don't. I wonder how many didn't sign that petition. Yeah, that's a good point, like a climate change thing or whatever. But so they all they talked about was who they believe and they're not one bit of evidence. So I've got to I've got to dig into that. But the Marie, the last thing on the Maria Bettina thing is it does say, it says the court filings show that she identified Trump as being the likely winner of the presidential election. And I'm just like, blow, that's the thing that I'm like, all right, that's the only weird thing that I think. Wait, she predicted that Trump was going to win at Yeah, some point? I didn't, I have to, I'm sure there's a lot of documents okay. I'll have to. So arrest everybody yeah. who predicted that Trump was going to no, win. No, 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 no. But she was lobbying him specifically in anticipation of him being president. That's the only thing that seems weird to me. Ah, so, but but the this article was saying court records show that she started doing this March 2015, all that. I have to look at the actual court records because just because this article says that that's what it says doesn't mean that's what it says. But so I will I will do a little more digging on that. And what were you? What were you gonna? I have other the, stuff. The best we'll part. I have two you. two quick things on that. Take your time. The Best part of the Maria Butina story, in my opinion, was when it broke a few weeks ago or, I don't know, six weeks ago maybe, that she was being arrested or being indicted or whatever. I, I did a Google trend search to see what the top search terms within the past week were about Maria Butina to, to see what people were thinking about and the questions that people had. The top search was Maria Butina Bikini. And what? And was it a good picture? Well, I, I, did, I don't know. It didn't show it. it oh, didn't show it the, didn't show it. it? Just, well, you have to do the search term. It just it just shows you the list of right. Google Trends shows but you. But don't you want to know why people... it's top of mind? Well, that's always top of mind. Every right. time there's a woman who is 
who is young and in some sort of controversial thing. The same thing happened with this girl who conned all these people in Hollywood that was on trial a few weeks ago. I can't remember her name. Top search term, uh, so-and-so bikini, so-and-so photos, so-and-so nudes. And then the real questions. Oh, but there's, I don't see the that. picture. Yeah, I, I would expect there to actually be a picture of her in a bikini, but I don't Well, see you it. have to do the search yourself. The, the way Google Trends. It. No, I'm looking at it. There I'm might not be it. a picture of her in a bikini. Yeah, that's what's, that is interesting A lot to of me. people are probably very disappointed. They're probably like, how is, there no, how is there a Russian spy and no pictures of her in a bikini? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Now, the other thing, that I, I want to read real quick a quote because this speaks to exactly what we're talking about. Exploiting the public's lack of the public ignorance. I don't say that um, negatively. We're all ignorant about certain subjects. We can't be all knowing about everything. We have to ask questions. We have to ask what is it that they are not telling us that would completely transform the meaning of this story if we knew it. We have to always ask that because they lie by leaving things out more than they lie directly, and that can, and that's the lie is the impression that they leave. But this is a quote from a book called "Mobilizing for Chaos: The New The Story of New Propaganda." It was written in nineteen. 34. And the CIA actually reviewed this book and recommended it as a book that everybody who wants to understand how the news really works should read. And while this book is in and of itself a bit of propaganda, it also has some very good points in it. Here's one thing it says, which I think is just perfectly relevant to this. It says, the borrowing of techniques of military intelligence departments and advertising and publicity men for peacetime propaganda of national governments has resulted in an enormous increase in the number of points of contact with propaganda in the life of the average individual and has tended to make him the victim of forces which he does not understand. I think that's what it's all there for. Yeah. And it's getting worse, of course, you know, like the Internet is looks like a million different search different sources like we've talked about before. Right. And, and that was this, in 1934. Think about how many points of well, contact we have now with propaganda. Yeah. I mean, that's when that's why people say that radio was was this book has a whole chapter on radio being the yeah. biggest way to control the that's, masses. That that's what it was there for. I mean, that's what I, I wonder about our technology it just accelerates so rapidly. You know that's not happening. It doesn't seem likely that that's happening in a like a, a free market. We know it's not. The free market push and pull of labor versus capital is what drives technology growth and free markets. It's that if once labor gets expensive, it might be worth putting that extra money into capital goods, labor-saving goods. But to get to voice-to-text... I remember reading a long time ago that they just they don't it would never it would never get there that way because you would just ne- that kind of massive uh investment wouldn't make sense up front especially since your competitors will probably be able to leverage the technology off of you before you could really recoup it all so you know what I'm saying like it has it would have to be a centralized thing and why would they do it well, they're doing it for central power, seems yeah. like to me. So, And the way we're going with 5G and the way they're trying to create ways to basically upload information to us instantly. Yeah, I want to do that special report on the show Saturday. So we'll do it live on WSB, and then you can – we'll post it next Wednesday on the prop report. All right, I didn't mean to de- I didn't mean to derail you with that quote, but I just thought it was relevant at that no, moment. No, it's totally relevant. Um so 
I want to. Uh, I I want to fill in some blanks. I kind of rushed speaking of, like last week's show. By the time I got to the end, I had very little time for two people who are really. I mean, Jeff Hadachi is absolutely heroic, and Ross Ulbricht. I think he's a heroic figure. He's mostly a victim, but I still, I think he's okay. And um, it, are you, yeah. It's heroic, in my opinion, in the fact that they, Adachi's the person who defended the. Yeah, I was going to give you like more. I didn't, I didn't have it all. Uh, I, I just wasn't able to lay out the whole story about yeah. how great. I think this he's guy. heroic in the fact that he, they're defending people because it's a. It's about you have to to defend our rights. You have to defend the worst of us. So while people might not, you know, Cosby, whoever they might they they don't they don't like him. They don't like Alex Jones. So they say screw him, whatever, screw him. But that's not that's saying screw all of us. Saying that so it is heroic to defend those who are the worst of us because you're defending the rights of all of us. But what I didn't get out for about this guy was how. What what integrity he really had. It wasn't just defending people. Yeah. He I mean, I, I'm going to tell you some of his other positions, which might surprise you. Lay him on me. OK. Jeff Adachi was the public defender. I, I touched on this story on the show on Saturday, but he so, you know, that I've been following the Kate Stanley case ever since. This is the pattern I've noticed. I'm I'm really surprised that not every single truther on the internet caught this immediately. And this was before the purges. It was before everything. Trump came out and uh, identified his. Uh, he identified. He did his campaign launch, and he said, "Oh, and the immigrants are." You know, people don't like it when you misquote it. Something like, and they're rapists and good people, whatever. So I have noticed that for any kind of launch of a psychological operation, quite often uh, some black swan event or a unique right on point episode will happen that drives home the policy need they are trying to push. So when right after Trump announced his campaign, Kate Steinle was the story came out that Kate Steinle, a tourist in San Francisco, was shot on the pier by an illegal immigrant. And it was covered like that, both through the government, official outlets and the media and everything. So people said, oh, they're just scapegoating illegal immigrants or see, this is what you get. But nobody dug into the story. And I just said, I didn't dig into the story either. I just said, oh, that is so clearly a psyop because it's supporting something that highly controversial that just came out. It was the connection was too clear. And that's when I knew that Trump was a psyop. And I should have realized right then and there that he was going to go all the way because I was like, wow, they're doing a lot just to get Hillary to, you know, be up against someone who's definitely going to lose. You know, I just I really missed that one. But I saw immediately that this guy was a big operation, Trump. So when so as the Steinle thing came out, I started seeing more and more stuff that was just so clear, like uh, the gun was a government issued gun. The guy, his, there was an interview on TV. It was all in Spanish. He was clearly mentally ill. Then it turned out that he was actually mentally ill, that he kept coming across the border. He was a drug addict. The last, the last judge put him in jail. 
to get mental health help. And he was there for five years. And when he got out, he was going to be deported. But this fishy sheriff in San Francisco dragged him up there on an old warrant for a crime that was no longer a crime, a pot charge. Took him in, and I said, hey, when you're finished with him, just let us know, and we'll come get him, which does not break the sanctuary city policies at all. So the Did sheriff he change was, his name somewhere in there, too? They changed his name. I don't even remember it now. It was perfect. But that was way after. So, so the sheriff... Uh, deliberately did not just release the guy and did not call ICE. So he lured him away from ICE or whatever the organization was that was supposed to deport him. And not like it was not consistent with sanctuary city laws. That's not how they work. But this guy did that. Then uh, this mentally ill illegal immigrant who had been apprehended every time he crossed illegally and jailed and deported every single time. So Kate's law wouldn't have changed it at all. Was he said he fa- he found a pill he took a pill he fell asleep when he woke up there was something wrapped in a t-shirt on his lap and then it went off it fired he thinks because it was probably a gun I don't know then the person there was a witness who saw an African American shoot her <laughs> even though this guy looks like that excuse that defense right there it just doesn't seem like the defense someone who was making up a defense. Would come and up if with. you saw him, he's clearly addled. He just yeah. – he's not – and then when you see the pictures of them retrieving the weapon from the bay, it's in a black gun case. It's not wrapped in a T-shirt or anything. It just doesn't make sense at all. So then, like what supposedly happened, it ricocheted, and I think it like shot her twice in the back or something according to the ME. So it's like this ME has to be in on it, the medical examiner, because that can't be what happened. And that guy just came on the job like a month before, and he had aspirations of being in film. So he, I think he has his own show now, that medical examiner, or did for a while. Yeah, I remember you telling me yeah, that. Yeah, so he just popped in. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this stuff before, but I'm just telling you so I, that that all the indications were there that this guy, there was something very, very fishy about this story. I had only really looked into it because it dovetailed too perfectly with the Trump thing. And then... uh so I knew the guy hadn't done it, and I was trying. I repeatedly tried to communicate with the public defender's office there, and they wouldn't answer me. And I, I don't blame them, but I also tried to talk to these anti-Trump journalists who were covering the story and then just, like, stopped covering the story. And I was like, why aren't you covering the story? There's something weird going on here that you could debunk what Trump is basing his entire campaign on. So nobody talks to me. That's okay. Uh, and the guy who was fighting for... The alleged shooter was just a foot soldier in the public defender, number two in the public defender's office, Matt Gonzalez. But I hadn't been aware of Jeff Adachi, but I figured these guys are either on the take or they're going to get him off. And they got him off. And this is interesting. So I, I thought it was really surprising that there, that they, these guys had this integrity, but it didn't matter that the guy got off. Everybody doesn't care. Nobody cares. You know, right, like once point had been achieved. Yeah. And they still think, so now they think, that this filthy criminal got off. You know what I mean? They don't really believe in the system. You know, what do they want more laws for, more prosecutions and stuff, if they don't believe justice is served anyway? They don't believe the outcome of this jury trial. So anyway, so... That's the, important that it was a jury trial. Yes, jury trial is important. That's the only way. It's the only way. And that's if they get to see everything. Like with Nacho or and Cosby, they didn't get to see everything against the Constitution, in my opinion. So Adachi was the guy who ran the office, and he was an elected official. 
And the first time he ran was some years ago against, I did say this on the air this week, that he ran against an official. Willie Brown was buddy-buddy with the Burtons, and they were very politically connected. And he appointed, when the when the previous PD got kicked upstairs, he appointed the daughter of Burton, a state senator, uh, to the post, and she immediately fired Jeff Adachi. But it's an elected position. So he came back and ran against her and won. So he is already persona non grata. And he, so he's in there. Persona and, and non grata. Uh, a person nobody likes, nobody appreciates. No. Nobody's grateful for that guy, I think, is where it comes from. So he comes out and he, uh, so now he's the enemy of the establishment anyway. And he has this history of integrity unlike any I have ever seen in uncovering people's uh, background. So this guy, he's big into race, uh, like racial justice, and uh, cares about – he made a, a documentary. He's a, an accomplished documentary filmmaker. I think he, the documentary he made was called Slam. Oh, just or, like John Ossoff pretends to be. Yeah, but this guy's for real. So he wrote – uh, he did a movie called, I think, Slant or Slanted about how Asians or Asian Americans are portrayed in film. But all four of his grandparents were interned. I think it's interned. Is that what it's called? Interred in means. Internment camp. In, interred is like when you're dead. But yeah, an internment camp. Yeah. They were all Japanese Americans and lost everything and were put in concentration camps. So uh, he's sensitive to that. And he seems to really have integrity. Now, I believe he's quite liberal, generally speaking. However, he had positions of great integrity that uh, you might be surprised at. One of them was that he he fought to prevent what he called a fiscal train wreck by having city employees contribute more to their pensions and health insurance costs. I mean, this is a public defender fighting for fiscal sobriety. You know, he's not a guy of dogma. He's a guy who cared about the city who was, you know, had his wits about him. He secretly recorded San Francisco police stealing from suspects at crime scenes, and some of those cops went to jail. Now, these are the guys oh, wow. who are investigating his murder. So he's making a lot of enemies. Right, and these and the enemies that he's making are people who uh, went to, you know, would be responsible, their institutions are responsible for investigating his, his death. So what happened was he so he made he made a documentary film called Ricochet about the Steinle case. And I can only find the 15 minute trailer. It's supposed to be a full length documentary and I cannot find it and I can't ask him because he's dead. And the chief of operations in the medical examiner's office is a guy. So he's the guy who's part of the investigation here, tried to, this Adachi tried to fire him for lying during a homicide case just weeks before Adachi's death. Wow. So how did he die again? He died. This is a guy, you see the pictures of him with his beautiful daughters, beautiful wife over the years. He's a slim guy in his fifties and he died. This is the story that he was at dinner drinking wine with a woman named Karina, last name unknown, not his wife. 
She said they went back to this apartment where he was found, and he started having chest pains. They found syringes, drugs. Supposedly, he had tons of, like, cocaine in his system and other drugs, and he just had a heart attack and died. But if there are, like, syringes and stuff, there's a little bit of weirdness because if there's stuff like drug use, like, there should be a crime investigation right there on the scene, and so the the autopsy guys or whatever the the ones who didn't do that kind of a kind of hermetically sealed crime scene said there was no evidence of illegal drugs the sharps that were there were left by the paramedics and the paramedics said <laughs> never ever in the history of this department has anyone ever left a sharps behind and the way he talked about it it's like i believe you <laughs> you know i believe wow. you so whatever, there were definitely some funny business in this investigation. And he was just about to get a TV show, which Bill Cosby was also about to get. Don't forget. So this Jeff Adachi, who's prominent, who's interested in the media and has all this integrity, was just about to get a TV show. I cannot find Ricochet. He obviously didn't get the the thing. Uh yeah, and he, and he was sitting there having dinner and wine with tons of cocaine cor- coursing through his system. Like, it's just doesn't, it really does not. Let me read you a little bit of the autopsy report. Adachi's cause of death was acute mixed drug toxicity with cocaine and ethanol. The coroner also What's said, ethanol? I, get, I guess that, is that in alcohol? Is that what a- alcohol turns into? The coroner also said that Adachi had a heart condition that contributed to his death. The coroner said that. His wife didn't say it. His doctor didn't say it. The levels of cocaine and alcohol were consistent with having been taken at some point during the date of his death on February 22nd. His death was ruled accidental. Uh, The police report obtained by KTVU says a woman identified as Katerina was having dinner with Adachi when he began complaining of stomach pains. So they took an Uber back to the apartment at 46 Telegraph Place. Katerina said that Adachi told her to go to the store to get an unspecified medication but he then became unresponsive, so she called for paramedics on Adachi's phone. Very convenient. And nobody because, knows who this woman is. Right, and she used his phone. She told the dispatcher that he drank two glasses of wine, had a stomachache, took a pill, and became unresponsive. Uh, he, he, he fought. Another thing he did was he fought to have police officers prosecuted in fatal shootings. Uh, for example, an officer was in front of a car preventing a suspect from fleeing. And then he shot her with the excuse that if he didn't, she would have run him over. But Adachi was saying that he could easily have just stepped out of the way. So he put himself in a position where he was going to get killed because she was getting out of there. And he could have gotten out of the way, but he shot her instead. Uh, Anyway, when, when he... So similar to what his situation was when his predecessor left office and he got pushed down by somebody else, fired actually. Instead of Mac Gonzalez, the number two, the natural next guy who should be elevated and then run for office, uh, was also pushed down. Like somebody just slid right into Adachi's seat, a political type person. Oh, and this was very interesting to me. The woman he beat, Kamiko Burton, their biggest difference policy-wise was that she was a big proponent of plea bargains 
and he strongly favored jury trials. <laughs> when I was writing my notes, I said, this is a man after my own heart. <laughs> See, what people don't realize when they, they, they say we want plea bargains because otherwise the system gets overwhelmed. And I say the system is overwhelmed because you are prosecuting all these things that aren't really crimes. Yeah. You know, selling drugs, using drugs, being a prostitute, using prostitutes, these are not crimes. Those are, they might be immoral, but they're only crimes because this society decides they're crimes. So even if you want to make them criminal actions or make them against the law, there's no reason to put people in jail for it. And if you're going to take somebody's liberty or property, you, they need to have a jury trial, in my opinion. And and if you can't do that, then you have such an such an out of control criminal society. You've got your society doesn't work if you can't protect individual rights. Then this system is a failure. Does uh, his family say anything? No. Does Vince Foster's family say anything? I don't know. I don't think so. Pretty sure they do not. I ne- you never hear them. I don't think so, because. I, I mean, I could give many examples, but it doesn't really prove anything. You know what I mean? You can't prove a negative. Yeah. Except for the Mueller part apparently does prove that Trump is above reproach. There is a negative being proven there. So, so yeah, that was the – that is – There's definitely some tricky business going on there, it sounds like. I think so, and the reason I wanted to bring it up again – I don't know how much I repeated. I hope not too much. I'm sorry about that. But the reason I brought it up again is that I didn't have a chance on Saturday to talk about how how many positions of real integrity this guy took. I mean, he's your guy. He's the guy who's holding our law enforcement accountable for their actions. Because if they're stealing and killing, you can say they're great, they're above reproach, all the cops in my family are awesome. You can say all that. But if they're never held to account, what is to stop a person of criminal tendencies from getting that job and abusing it? You know what I'm saying? You cannot set up a situation that relies on having both absolute power and people who can be trusted with it because nobody can be trusted with it. And even if the people in it right now were uniquely qualified to be trusted in it, any, any opportunist is going to seek political power or the privileges of government, the political means of getting an advantage rather than just hard work. You can get more out of it if there are levers. I mean, that's when I saw the Eastern Europeans come over Maybe it was just specifically Russians. People from behind the Iron Curtain moved to New York and they immediately started taking over like uh, nursing homes and stuff. Things where the government was doling out the money because they're like, that's where the money is. It's like, well, there's money in hard work and innovation. It's like, yeah, but this is money for nothing. (laughs) This is outsized money. This is money where nobody's minding the store. That's where you get them. That's that's the low hanging fruit. And because we really weren't adept at that. So then what happens is if you really have a system like that, the money will ultimately dry up. Yeah. And then that will stop it. And then you'll have really awful nursing homes. Those guys will probably still be rich. And I, and I'd seen that too, where they were still rich, but the nursing home was not so nice. And, and it's that it's taking advantage. So this guy was keeping the system working right, was trying to defend our rights 
and keeping the government you know he's a guy who if he could survive he would be that benevolent socialist that everybody thought obama was the thing that people are waiting for on the left the 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 person who would run government well even if maybe it's not as efficient to have a welfare state or socialism or whatever at least if you have an actually trustworthy benevolent person there's a chance of it Right. I mean, that's the theory. I'm not right. saying yeah. I am subscribing to that theory. I'm just saying he's your guy. Yes. <laughs> and he's and dead. It's difficult. Everybody thinks that the politician that appeals to them that they most identify with is the benevolent one and that the other side is always the evil one when necess- when it, it would seem as though that both sides generally are manipulative. And the people who are truly more most benevolent, you, you don't really hear much about. Yes, yes, no. That's what I think. That's why what I was talking about on Saturday on the show, which I didn't really bring out. Uh, I I talked about the created people, about Stacey Abrams, and about uh, Alexandria Ocasio, and how people like that, or Mark Zuckerberg, or any of those people, even in my opinion, Trump. They're up there. They're given an image, and they're prepared for their roles. And And the media does not really deviate from that. Even the way they demonize Trump isn't really, isn't really the best way, like the way that, that would stand up. I mean, the, the funny business that went on behind the scenes, his sister's a federal judge, and, and he was uh, – his casino license and stuff were – not put under the kind of scrutiny that the law required. George Soros bailed him out in that Chicago condo, I think. Wilbur Ross, wasn't he the, he's the commerce guy, but he, I believe he founded Rothschild Inc. in New York, which also bailed out Trump. I mean, these are things that would make his own base scratch their heads. And his connections to Russia is probably these guys in New York who came over and, and started picking the low-hanging fruit. You know what I'm saying? Like and that, his family is more his... connected to British than Russia. Oh, what was that connection? His again? uncle worked – his uncle developed weapons using Nikola Tesla's technology with the British during World War II. Hold on. I know he did – I know he worked on weapons, and I know he got all of Tesla's materials. It was with the British. I know this for a fact. No, uh, I'm asking. I'm just asking. His – his weapons research was based on Tesla stuff. Yes. Okay. So he, because uh, I know I knew that he was the guy who got Tesla stuff upon Tesla's death. Yes, he got to use all that stuff in his ahead of time innovation. Also. Yeah. So he must have had other stuff, but they must have had a relationship all along. I don't know where Tesla stuff got to the U.S. You know what I mean? Well, he lived in New York. I know, I know. but um, yes, I knew that. That the father, the uncle, was in military intelligence and then ultimately was a professor at MIT and got the Tesla stuff. So Yeah, he was like the head of some – he was named like the head yes. of some British – You know, I um, wish I had that on my fingertips. World what? War II. I can't remember the name of the, the group, but it was like a prominent collaboration between the U.S. and the British, and he was a high-ranking member of it, and he developed weapons technology. Yes, Yes, that is the kind of stuff that makes it very clear that that family is not just didn't just 
fall off the turnip truck, that this guy is not an outsider. But that's that's what all this stuff is. They want you to not recognize them as created persons. I, I always think also the fact that that the money all came from these government programs, just like what I'm talking about with the Eastern European thing is father building the real estate, him with the casinos and all that stuff. It's not, and he managed to go bankrupt four times. I believe, I think that was the, what he said, what he admitted to. Yeah. So yeah. So today, yes, yes, yes. They're resuscitating that, but this is what I'm saying. It's like the news isn't, if they really want to undermine his credibility, you don't have to. That stuff is there for his base to not care about. <laughs> so his base would care about the Rothschild connection, the Soros connection, the government money connection, uh, any kind of corruption or insider stuff. They would care about that. The Roy Cohn connection, that kind of stuff would undermine this claim to being an outsider. Yeah. But the fact that they're protected by the media or their image is crafted and upheld. Even the bad and the good of their image is always, like Stacey Abrams. The bad side of her image is that she's in debt. But yeah, that was not, that was on that was such an uh, yeah. what's it called? It's called um, fa or uh, fake authenticity. They, there's another way right. they say it, but it's, we need to give this so that she has this fake authenticity, and that's absolutely what that was. To appeal to the demographic. Yes, and with. yes, but she she had an entrepreneurial past mm-hmm. that belies that that her debt was anything but the fact that it's a subsidized loan. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, she could have easily. She was lending inner city people money for three percent upfront fee. So let me so, give you two quick quotes. Yeah, that speak directly. This is from this book again, nineteen thirty four. The sensationalism required by the Home Office exaggerates conflict and reduces the complicated relations of international life to the stereotyped heroics of 19th century melodrama. Open conflict in any part of the world is an excuse for an orgy of sensationalism. The parties in these conflicts are reduced to the orthodox patterns of cheap fiction, and the play of forces at work is reduced to the simplicity of a combat between desperados and the posse in an old western. That is so true. It's so simplistic. It's so personality driven. That's exactly what I perceive when I watch the news. And so an example, an interesting, I I think it falls in with this category is that they talk about the drama, but they never talk about the policies. So, yeah. So there, I was reading this stuff about a town in Georgia, Horston? Horvish? Oh, you're called? talking about the mayor? Yeah, there's two things. There's a councilman who said he didn't believe in interracial Pushkin. marriage. What's it called? Pushkin. Yeah, right. Pushkin. Okay. And then the mayor, supposedly, but she denies it, so I'm not saying – so she said that they there was a candidate being put up for a job as yeah. an administrator, black guy, and she said this town isn't ready for that, which she denies saying that. And uh, – so I, I can't even count that. But the other guy, I think he doubled down on his saying, like, his religion <laughs> forbids interracial marriage. But uh, but so the, so let's just take what he said. It's it's hurtful. It's ignorant. I think it's ignorant. And and 
but I, but I do not believe that he was proposing a policy to ban it or did anything, actually took any actions, right? So those are his words about his beliefs, which are uh, distasteful, and it's very stupid of him to be such a jerk and say stuff that's hurtful and impolitic and extremely <laughs> uh, out of time, you know? So, uh, and then there's like, it's national news that this guy needs to resign. A councilman in a small town in Georgia. Yeah. For words, okay? But the mayor, so when I saw something come across like Georgia mayor uh, under fire, I was like, oh, they must be going after Mayor Bottoms for that list of these are the people I want you to pay this amount. Find them, yeah. you know, write Talk them about some, corruption. Right, before she even took office. So she wasn't saying, what jobs do you have? Can these people do the job? She was saying, this is your payroll, the names and the annual salaries, which were six figures. So to me, that's absolute total corruption. And there should be an investigation, <laughs> you know, a grand jury. That's corruption. And, and it should be thoroughly investigated. Yet, I didn't. I don't know if that made national news. You know, I don't think there's anything. So I saw in the AJC. That's it. Yeah, nobody cares. Right. So I'm saying the difference between taking words. I mean, the guy's a jerk and he's going to go. And that, that story, the Hushton one, it fills this identity politics, racial division narrative that they're of trying course, to Of course, of course, of course. I'm just saying it's words, you know, and the other thing is actual corruption. Deeds. Yes, that that is relevant to what the person was hired to do. Corruption in office pertaining to the office. She's not even screwing horse. She's stealing money from the government, you know? Yeah. So that's a problem. And, uh, and so I was really surprised that the Baltimore mayor got busted for bulk sales of her books as a way of taking bribes, which I think that's what the accusation is. And I have to believe either she pissed somebody off or it was just undeniable and you couldn't stop it. Or there was a guy like Jeff Adachi there who was actually caring, you know? Yeah. But my point is, in, in reference to what you're saying, is that they, that people, they, they follow the drama, but they don't follow the actual policies. And what you're saying from that 1930s book is still absolutely true today. But what I never got to on the show is how to tell the difference between the created person and the authentic hero or or the um, unsung victim. And it's really what they're actually doing. You, you have to right. you have to look at what they're doing, what they said, what they're you have to actually find the facts. And, and with the created persons, they have these legacies that are built and they it's all talk. It's all show. And you could scratch the surface and find the real truth about them. And then there are these other people like Ross Ulbricht, who was making this new Silk Road a kind of extra governmental, you know, outside the law, not a violation of it necessarily, but a way to do commerce without scrutiny, which is what Bitcoin is supposed to be. But I can't help but think it's really just a stepping stone to a cashless society. Yeah. But he he's in jail now for this double life sentence plus 40 and no chance of parole for crimes that we will never know he had anything to do with because the guys who were instrumental in convicting him 
are in jail for uh, malfeasance during that investigation, which Ross's jury never got to hear. So you got to dig in to what these people are actually saying and doing before you believe the villain or hero image that's put on them by media echo chamber. Yeah, and they are very much using that echo chamber to prevent people from digging in, that they don't want people to dig in. Another quote from this book. They laugh at you. Yeah, they don't want you to dig in because if you dig in, you'll see that it's not as simple as they present it. And if it's not as simple as they present it, then it won't be so easy to take this simplified either-or tribal side. And the Notre Dame story was that, where we saw Neil Cavuto and Shep Smith say, we don't want your conspiracy theories here. And those guys saying, but these are facts. Yeah. Like, we don't care. Unpatriotic facts. Yeah, and no. they, right. They rely on those sensational headlines, and they count on people not reading the articles. I thought this uh, quote from this book in 1934, it, it's just so – it's so true. How It's just funny to me how true it was back then and still is today. And he's talking about the headlines versus the content of articles. The headlines not only counteract the good that might be done within the articles, but – they are the only impression of the series that's carried away by the thousands of people who are only headline readers who never get through the body of a newspaper story. Yes, and they don't care. That's why we find all this stuff. That's why you can find the smoking guns. They know it will never matter. It, it, you, you can find that, I believe, I know it's at the beginning of the report from Iron Mountain, but I've seen it elsewhere where they say it doesn't matter. Oh, the report from Iron Mountain, which – I. You know, it's definitely true in in the facts are facts, but truth is truth category. It's definitely true. But are those the actual facts as they unfolded? Pro- probably a lot of them are. But the story is that this was some secret meeting, secret um, institutional uh, study. Yeah, of- fruit of the poisonous tree is what they're doing there. Explain. They they poison the source, so anything that comes from that source, you can't trust. That's what do you what they, mean? What are you talking about? It's, it's like Putin. There's this has been going on in the media a lot. They've been saying Rudy Giuliani said that it is okay to accept information from Russians. This is unbelievable. Unbel- what, what if your house and baby are about to uh, catch fire, and you know a Russian calls you and says, "Hey, you might want to go home. Your house is about to catch fire." You're not allowed to accept that information because it comes from the fruit of the poisonous tree, which is a Russian. So anything a Russian or Putin tells you, oh, yeah. you cannot accept. And it's the yes. same thing here with the report on Iron Mountain. It's the ad hominem attack. Right, yeah. They're trying to say that it was a conspiracy, right, to accuse um, – I can't remember what it is. Go on. But the but the, what it said in the beginning of the report from Iron Mountain is this – I'm not going to get in trouble. I can't get in trouble for publishing this. Because it was not marked top secret or even secret. Yeah. Because it's understood that if they came out with this, nobody would do anything about it. Yeah. And that's true. And when you look it up, it gives you starts off by giving you all the all the explanations about how it's debunked and how it's not real. Just so they can, just so when you can, if you do go ahead and read it, you say, oh, well, none of this is true, even though it kind of predicted the future. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if it, if it was the people who talk about it, Prouty talks about it. Um, who is that? I'm not Gore. Let me that. play you this clip while you think about it. Yeah. No. Well, anyway, they just, uh, let's just wrap that up. I didn't realize you had that clip. I forgot uh, that they, 
the people who talk about it say, like, even if this wasn't the specific one, they have those studies. This is what they sound like. And we know that a lot of the stuff in there did really happen. So, yeah, go ahead, go. It seems like this is like almost like a theme. You have Rudy Giuliani telling me a couple Sundays ago, <laughs> it, there's nothing wrong with taking information from the Russians. Uh, you had Jared Kushner downplaying what the Russians did in the election interference. It's just a couple Facebook ads. Does this concern you at all? Yeah, because I have no reason to believe that if these offers were made again in 2020, that the Trump campaign would turn them down. Why would they? They've suffered no consequence. And we know from the report that there was attempted collusion and many attempts at <laughs> obstruction. And so if there is no consequence, why wouldn't they do that again? Why wouldn't they welcome a barrage of Russian trolls to help them win the election in 2020? You know, no talk on whether information is true or false. Just you can't accept information from this group of people. Now, this is the funny. This is really funny to me. This is what the next commentator, this is a Jake Tapper's the lead. They go on to talk about how Democrats would never do such a thing. I don't think they're going to cross the line of accepting influence from foreign powers because they don't morally believe in that. And Democrats will hold them accountable. And I certainly hope they don't. But I do think they're going to be more aggressive about calling people out. Democrats don't morally believe in accepting information from a foreign power, even though they did. This is what's so funny is that they act like there's this moral tower where all democrats go and that you can't get in if you're not a moral democrat it's like well what's to prevent republicans from infiltrating like hillary right and the russian dossier not to go down that thing but that that is information from a foreign power oh don't even get me started with that stuff there's there are plenty of foreign lobbyists in this country that have an influence you know they don't it doesn't it it's just – I mean it's it's absurd and it's comical how blatant and bold they are with the hypocrisy. They, they're not blind to it. You can't be blind to – you can't be that blind to hypocrisy unless there's just something wrong with you. So they know they're doing it. They're, they're, their job is to go on TV every day and to, to stoke this stuff. And uh, You don't think they're, they're dumb? I think some of them buy into it, yeah. I, I do think some of them buy into it. But uh, – and I think the pressures around them, the pressures to put out – to fall in line make people probably – Well, that's what it is. Probably buy into it because the more you say yeah. something, the more you're going to believe it. So, yeah, I do think there probably is a, a, a little bit. I, I, say, think, yeah. I think that if you want to get ahead in some of these industries that, that shape ideas and don't actually – have to make anything that could or could not work. You know what I mean? You don't risk oh, failure. Yeah. You're not making. So I think there's like a cognitive glass ceiling yeah, <laughs> where, yeah. where if you can think through the the question that your BS uh, begs for, then you're you're out of a job. I mean, I really feel okay. like that's in media too. It's like, do we have time for one more clip? Cause yeah. you said yep. something that fits perfectly. Now this yep. is from a podcast, a war college podcast on micro dosing. And I thought this was just really interesting because at the end of the podcast, this is a general, I can't remember his name. He talked about, they're talking about using micro dosing for intelligence analysis in the military and the benefits of it. And then he goes on to, to say, to say, here's one of our concerns of what might happen using micro dosing. The cognitive abilities of these Marines or sailors or airmen or soldiers become start to become so enhanced and expanded that they get a look inside of that 
total connectivity. You know, the, the psychedelics, the whole movement of the psychedelics being about love and peace and that we are all connected. And he said, what, what starts happening when, if they get a taste or a feel of that and they start to realize I'm using this as a war Hmm. machine. And he says, is that going to cause them to step back from what they're doing and not want to do, you know, not want to, as I've mentioned, it said to a friend, you know, expand your mind, expand the targets. But Hmm. if you expand your mind, what if you don't want to expand the targets? That's the one drawback that I could see. Wow. That's (laughs) mind blowing. Didn't LSD come out of the Department of Defense? Something like that. They talked about that a little bit in that podcast. The War College podcast. Yeah, I can't imagine tripping and wanting to kill people, but... Yeah, but it's it, me either. It's crazy, though, that he's like, the one problem we're going to have is if they do this, they might see a oneness with humanity and not want to kill people. That's really what we're concerned about here. What's that old meme from before the time of memes where it was like a, a spoof on the army ad? Like, um, go to foreign countries, meet interesting people, and kill them. <laughs> Somehow, I don't think acid is going to help you achieve that goal. Yeah, yeah. LSD, I believe, is what they were specifically focused on. But I think the microdosing movement is going down a lot of those different avenues. But that's a yeah, story for another time. I believe we are about out of time today. Yes, uh, very interesting. Thank you. I hope I uh, – I just – I ran out of time on Saturday, and there were so many things I wanted to say about these – you know, the difference between a created person and an authentic person and and that these characters, these parodies, that quote you read was perfect. They just they make it look like you're reading a novel. And when it looks like that, you have to think of every like I even hesitate to criticize any any kind of group or people I don't know, you know, because every once in a yeah. while you'll meet somebody, you'll meet some somebody who like. You just said bad things about it and I, on right. the radio, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, but but so you have to know there's there are there is good and bad, but there are also created people and there are also authentic actors, and I feel like the authentic actors one by one are being thrown in jail or killed. I do, but maybe some of them are just. Maybe some of them know how to play the game. Maybe they're playing the game. Who knows? Oh, yes, yes. I'm reading a very interesting book by Taylor Caldwell called Devil's Advocate. I'll give you a full report on that, but it's definitely about there are Batmen. There are Batman. Uh, there has to be. That's the only way to do it. I think. There have to be. That's Batman. interesting. I look forward to that report. Yes, thank you. And I look forward to your 5G report this Saturday. All right. Well, thank everybody for listening. And if you want to help out the show, if you find value in the insights and the information that we bring, you can help us out through PayPal. You can become a Patreon. All of your support uh, we greatly appreciate. Helps out a ton. And everybody who has donated and continues to donate and who shares the show and who leaves us a comment on iTunes and who gives us a rating or review, all of those things. It helps us so much, and it makes us feel good. So thank you so much for doing that, and we will talk to you next time. Later.